At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sessingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. We're streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, we're getting up to speed on opioids and the most important news stories this month. I don't know why I can't stop punning on this show. With Adam Smith, political editor of the Tampa Bay Times, Janelle Irwin of the Tampa Bay Business Journal, and WUSF's Julio Ochoa, editor of Health News Florida. Thank you all for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Adam, you are impressed with Chris King. You write, King, in key respects, is the standout and most unconventional candidate in a wide open field that includes a charismatic African-American mayor, Andrew Gillum, a woman, former U.S. Representative Gwen Graham of Tallahassee, and a brash multimillionaire Miami Beach entrepreneur, Philip Levine. I thought that was a great summary right there. This is all the Democratic candidates. So why do you like Chris King? Well, I'm not saying that I like him necessarily. I'm just saying he's he's an impressive candidate. He's a, he's the only one that's a first time, not just a first time candidate, but really for the first time being involved in the political process. He's not a big donor fundraiser like Levine has been, uh, and he is really that seems to be the most substantive in many respects. He's also, uh, I think, genuinely instead of positioning instead of just positioning wise turning out to be maybe the most progressive of the candidates, possibly too progressive for the state of Florida. Pretty far to the left. Pretty far to the left, but he's a business guy. uh, And he's also a very religious, uh, he's sort of a, uh, he doesn't call himself evangelical at all. He's sort of anti-evangelical, but he's a guy of great faith. Mm -hmm. who's very comfortable talking about uh, both faith and he's, you know, he's become a millionaire in the the housing, affordable housing business. uh, And he's really... uh, kind of setting the the tone in terms of he's got them talking about the sugar industry. He's got them talking about affordable housing. He's really sort of... Uh, and the death penalty you you wrote about, you said he's the only one who's really talking about the death penalty. And he's, he's actually, this used to be, uh, I won't say another pun, the third rail of politics. No mm-hmm. Democrat was ever willing to say, I'm anti-death penalty. Uh, and Chris King is out there uh, saying, I would, if governor, I would not impose the death penalty. I would halt funding for anything that makes the death penalty possible. A lot of, uh, you know, the conventional wisdom is that's a fatal position for a candidate. And Miami New Times came out with, um, it sounds like it wasn't a assassination piece on, on Philip Levine, but it did have some negatives in there. You said his opponents would be happy about that piece. Yeah, Philip Levine made a uh, somewhere north of a hundred million dollars, largely in the cruise ship industry, where he was, uh, among other things, he he did media, onboard media, those ads you see on your cruise TV. Oh yeah, uh, right. I remember Apparently, that. that's a very lucrative business, really? and he also was involved in the sort of shore excursion uh, business, where you, if you go ashore, you stop at, you know, they'll direct you to Acme Jewelers or, or whatever it is. And there were some allegations and some settlements about 
uh, you know, sort of payola was the rough implication that at least maybe not Levine in particular, but in that industry, there's sort of, you know, this cruise ship gets business, gets paid to steer people to the companies that are paying them and steer them away from the companies that are not paying them. I'm shocked. I'm sh- I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but Levine, I think, looks like the front runner. He's, he's spending so much money. Uh, he's gone from zero virtually in the polls to the front runner. But uh, Gwen Graham, you'd think, would have the name recognition. You would. And she's got a great network, thanks to her father. And she's a very appealing candidate. And it sure helps to be the one woman among uh, four men. So I, you don't rule her out. But so far, she's just not quite taken off. Not as connecting like right. Philip Levine is. Well, I'm not is sure. Is he a good speaker? He's a fine him. speaker, and it's a, a Florida's such a big state. You know, in in New Hampshire, in a small state like that, connecting really matters. In Florida, unfortunately, TV matters so much. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if Philip Levine is connecting as much as he is just flooding the airways more than anybody else. And still, so many undecided voters in the gubernatorial race. Huge, wide I, open. I think 40 percent in both those primaries. Are, I've seen. Well, we definitely don't know who's going to win the Republican primary. If you had to bet, that's very close right now between Ron DeSantis and Adam Putnam. Very close. If you had to call the Democratic primary right now, would you do it? I wouldn't. If I had to call it, uh, I would <clears throat> I would say it's a coin toss between Gwen Graham and Philip Levine, but never bet against the person that's spending uh, far, far more money. Okay. That's Levine. You know, Erwin, Amazon is debuting discounts and perks at the grocery store Whole Foods for its Amazon Prime members. Is What's that about? Let me first just say I don't cover that. So I might not be quite as on top of it as the reporter who does cover it is. But let me gather my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me proceed this by saying I don't know anything about this. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Know, well, no, that's... Hey, let me try to sound like I know what I'm that going. That won't stop us. I'm sure I'll hear from Ashley once she listens to this, but I'll do my best. Um, okay, so when when you're talking about the retail landscape, um, not just in um, you know goods that you might find at Target or Walmart or anything, the idea of online ordering is becoming huge, and you have all sorts of ways to avoid having to actually physically go into a store, and it's completely changing the way people shop. In order to stay relevant, companies are having to step outside of their conventional boxes and they're having to look at their models and say, how can we compete with the online marketplace? And in the grocery landscape, that is, how do we make sure that people don't have to get out of their cars? And you just log onto an app and you say, I want this, this, and this, and you pull into a special parking space and bada bing, bada boom, you never had to drag your toddler screaming and crying out of the car seat. So that it, it's huge. really... I mean, it is. Mine are big now, but they still scream oh, and cry from still their car remember. seats sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it is huge. And it's really the best way to stay relevant and to make sure that your share of that marketplace isn't shrinking. And it's also competing with things like Shipped, for example, where you can order groceries and have them delivered to your door. But that comes at a premium. It's um, the prices that you pay for the individual items are marked up a little bit. And then you're also paying either a subscription fee or uh, some sort of delivery fee or something like that. So this is a way, a cheaper way of kind of still having some of that same convenience of not having to get out of your car. Maybe you swing by on your way home from work or something. And you get some discounts, I think, too. Yes, there are some discounts. I know um, people... I have been hearing from who are 
effectively boycotting Publix <laughs> over their um, their monetary givings to Adam Putnam uh, have begun using the Whole Foods app mm-hmm. and uh, say that once those savings are taken into account, they're actually not really paying that much more. And Whole Foods is considered kind of the, um, you know, the right. Good more luck. luxury alternative. Good luck finding Cocoa Krispies at Whole Foods. Though, well, you'll just you'll just you'll find some hippy dippy version thereof. <laughs> I never could. Um, so, was there anything that happened? I know you you cover transit a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything that happened in transit news this month? Yeah, I think one of the um, one of the important things to talk about is how it's melding with the political landscape mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I refer to myself as a recovering political reporter because I don't really cover politics anymore, but I still geek out over it on the side. So um, I had a conversation with Rick Homans, who is the uh, president and CEO of the Tampa Bay Partnership, and they have really put their all of their eggs into one basket, and that is transit. And they are backing the 41-mile bus rapid transit that Critics say isn't really bus rapid transit, but that's what it's being called. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would connect downtown St. Petersburg all the way to Wesley Chapel along Interstate 275. Uh, some of it would be in dedicated lanes. Some of it would be on the shoulder. Some of it would just be in general lanes that's used by everybody. Uh, and part of their uh, their whole reasoning for backing that is that they have this political opportunity where the leadership in the House and the Senate, the Florida House and Senate, is going to correspond with the timing of actually implementing that. So you're going to have Representative Chris Sprouls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have Representative Chris Sprouls is in line for leadership in the House, and then you have Senator Wilton Simpson in line uh, in the Senate. So that gives them leadership to kind of help get them the state portion of the funding that they would need to pay for all of that. And of course, in order to attract federal funding for any transit projects, you have to have 50%, at least 50% buy-in from the state and local governments. So that's very crucial for them. And they are backing that because they see as conservatives uh, in the Florida legislature that uh, a bus solution has a better chance of attracting funding than, say, a rail system. Light rail. Exactly. Julio, will you take the bus? I would if it went from Palm Harbor to Tampa to get me here. I would love to take something that would not, you know, that I could just jump on and do some work on my way here. But then what if you had to go report a story? Yeah, then I'd be in trouble. Uber. <laughs> Uber. Lift. At least yeah. a couple days a week, though, you know. If I'm not reporting, I, I would love to get on something that would get me into work you would yeah i mean you know you just sit in traffic all day long and it, it's it's an hour both ways for me and it just feels like such a waste of time except that you're listening to npr that's true which is uh, never a waste of time <laughs> when i go to tallahassee i hop on a bus here at usf and it's oh do you so do nice. like that big red the bus? red coach or red, red bus coach? something like that yeah and it's mm-hmm. it's so much easier and you get work done so, so you could see riding this bus rapid transit. I d- yeah, you do have the issue of uh, what do you do once you get there. But I do think lifts su- and you Uber that really is, do solve that, I think. There's sure. actually – PSTA is pioneering in what Adam just touched on, and it's what they call first mile, last mile. And they actually just unveiled a series of routes that they are considering – uh, that would provide shorter connections, things like circulators and stuff like that that would connect to so-called transit spines. And they would also provide discounts for riders to use 
Cruz, uh, they're partnering with Lyft in this particular instance. Uh, they have a different partnership with Uber as well uh, that allows people to use Uber and Lyft to get to and from bus stops. One of them, their um, uh, I can't remember. Direct Direct Connect. They have a program called Direct Connect that uh, pays up to $5 for an Uber ride. And when you get on the bus, you don't pay for the bus. So the idea is it covers your Uber ride because conceivably it's a short trip from your home or your work to the bus stop. And then you also don't pay for the bus trip. So, I mean, they have some really innovative things. It is innovative. You have to be motivated, though, to do this. But you said, like, sitting in traffic for an hour can motivate you for sure. Julio, you've been writing about school counselors um, at public schools. They're getting a funding boost to expand mental health access. Yeah, that's right. They're the state legislature and the governor in, in this uh, uh, school safety bill that passed um, set aside $69 million to expand mental health services in schools. And uh, schools right now, each district will have to decide how to spend that money. So schools right now are, are kind of looking at how they would use that money to either hire more counselors or psychologists in their schools um, and, and uh be able to provide access. The, the idea is to provide uh, access to every single, uh, every every child will have access to mental health care. That's what they're looking for. Are the schools pretty excited about this new money? Well, I mean, people in the mental health field are super excited to get any kind of funding whatsoever after, you know, no one has been paying much attention to them for years. And now they, they see this as a, a windfall to be able to actually help students um, with with mental health issues. And, you know, the, the idea is to, to stop another school shooting from happening, but there are so many kids out there that are struggling with trauma um, just in their something that's happened in their neighborhood, something that's happened in their homes, um, that this will really go a long way to helping a lot of students. Adam, Pinellas County Commissioner John Maroney just passed away. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's been in the legislature. He was county commissioner, and and really, unlike you know the vast majority of political figures, everybody liked John Maroney. I mean, he was truly a guy who was uh, just the friendliest, most humble person around. Absolutely in touch with his constituency. I I remember him in the legislature. He was always far more enthusiastic about. Uh, greeting the high school students in his office, then getting involved in the partisan debates that were taking place on the floor. He's been struggling on and off with cancer for a long time, but this was one of the most universally liked. 63, I think. 63 years old. 63. Uh, you know, just uh, there wasn't a person, you won't find anybody to say a negative word about John Maroney, I don't think. That is too bad. That was Adam Smith, political editor of the Tampa Bay Times. We've also been speaking with Janelle Irwin of the Tampa Bay Business Journal and WUSF's Julio Ochoa, editor of Health News Florida. Thank you all so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us. Listen to Florida Matters on the radio Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. And you can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sessingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher.